you. Um, Pastor Christian is actually at Itaewon campus, and he um, really felt a need and a desire to go and spend just a full day uh, with all the Itaewon people and join them for their Sunday swim, the prayer meeting. And so that kind of opened up the door for the privilege of me to be able to preach today, and I'm, I'm just so excited. And honestly, I'm really humbled to be up here. Uh, kind of like what Danny was sharing, I think I met Danny my first week of Korea, um, for me, I've always felt that I'm a daughter of this house. You know, I, I, I felt like I've been transformed here. I've been delivered here. I've been set free. I've been healed. I'm just, I'm a daughter of this house. And to, and to transition from a daughter to a mother of this house is still uh, mind-blowing and extremely, extremely humbling. And so I'm just really happy to be here with you guys and just to preach um, out of today's word. Today's word. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, my message today is called to know and to be known. And I, I just want to ask you a simple question. How precious is this book to you? How much do you value this book? You know, a couple of days ago, I was just in this time of intimacy with the Lord, and I was crying out, because when Christian announced it was a year of intimacy, man, me and John just looked at each other, yes, I mean, it was the cry of my heart, just to, just to soak up God's presence, to learn to be there, and um, so I was just praying to God a couple of nights ago, and I was just declaring, God, this is my year of intimacy, I'm so excited, take me closer, draw me deeper, and I was saying all sorts of fancy prayers, and then all of a sudden, God spoke to me and he asked me this simple question, how precious are my words to you? Mm. And immediately my thought was, it's everything, it's the air I breathe. I mean, I was, I was getting fancy with it, you know, and I was like, Lord. And even before the thought turned into words, God just stopped me. He interrupted me, asked me again, really, how precious are these words to you? Man, immediately my heart just got so heavy with conviction. And I began to reflect on 2010, and I thought of all the times I just breezed through my QT, just to check off the to-do list, like, oh, done, Bible reading, done. Or how many times I even went a whole day without meditating on the Word or reading the Word. And I thought about the times where I did read the Word, but I just kind of just, you know, Read it, and, and most of the time when I didn't understand, I was like, oh, whatever. And, and God just began to break my heart. And he was saying, you want in intimacy with me? Well, how precious are these words to you? Man, I got rocked. Let, long story short, I've been crying every day <laughs> this week, and it's just been a cry of repentance Simply put, a man, God, I say all these great things, and I tell you and declare my love for you all the time. And, and when it comes down to it, I really, I don't know if I treasure your words the way that I should. <laughs> and as I was just in this place of brokenness, God led me to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And this has become my theme verse of 2011. And I feel like it's, it's a verse I wanted to just release to the church. 
And it's this verse all about treasuring God's word. Man, just the value of his word, writing it on the tablet of your heart, binding it around your neck. The whole book of Proverbs just schools me every single time. But just this passage stood out and just really spoke to me. I shared this at Sunday Swim, but I um, messaged Pastor Benjamin. He's our spiritual father. And um, I, I was like, Papa, I call him Papa. Papa, this is my verse for 2011. And I just shared it. And I was like kind of proud that, you know, I have five verses. <laughs> You know, it's like not just one, it's like five. And I'm like, five verses, one to five. And then I just wrote it out. And I'm like, this is my verse. This is my theme for 2011. I'm going to go deeper in the word of God. And, and Pastor Benjamin um, messaged me back within the day. And he was like, oh, that's awesome. I love Proverbs. I love that passage. You know, I just, I love that passage. I love that passage so much. The whole chapter, Proverbs chapter 2. I memorized it in eighth grade because I just loved it so much. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, okay. I was just like, wow. I just, humility. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I love him. But, um, and so we're just going to go through this passage. We're going to go verse by verse. And we're going to do a little bit of digging. Does that sound good? And we're going to do some digging. My son, let's just stop there. My son. You know, I realize that sometimes just two words like that is loaded. It's just the word of God is loaded. My son. And I feel like it's so significant that God just starts that passage right there by saying my son. Because 2010 has been a year of sonship in this house. And I feel like for me personally, God has been taking me from acting like a slave, wanting to earn his love, work for his love, get his love, strive for his love. And he's just been breaking that mindset off of me and teaching me, you're a son. You are a son. Hmm. And I just feel like this slave mentality just being broken off me personally. And I just love that this verse starts with that, my son. If you receive my words, if you receive my words, to receive, to take, to have, to take ownership of, my favorite definition is to come into possession of. Have you come into possession of the word? Is the word of God your word? Is it your possession? Do you make it yours? And I think so many believers, we struggle with this idea. We think this word is so distant to us. I mean, really, what does this have to do with me? It's just a book of good stories, good morals, good teachings. But really, what does it have to do with who I am? It's, it's like this idea of, I don't know, if I were to study the history of a country that's not my own, that I'm completely disinterested in, like... Oh, man, I'm just about to diss a country right now. <laughs> well, let's say I wasn't Korean. I like that smooth right there. Um, if I wasn't Korean and I studied uh, the history of Korea, honestly, I wouldn't be that interested in it. You know, maybe it would be, like, fun and I'd learn a lot. And maybe I'd get enlightened here and there about the history of Korea. But I'm not looking to that textbook to tell me who I am. And the funny thing is, is this is our lineage, this is our book. 
And we, continue, we forget that all the time. You know, Koreans are obsessed with lineage. I'm part of the Ishii clan. What's up? Yeah, that's right. Um, my family is proud. I mean, I'm a little too proud sometimes. but And we have this book. I think a lot of Koreans do this. It's, uh, they create a book of just the names of all your family members from generations to generations. And we have this book about my particular family, my particular Ishii. And there's a lot of Lees, I know, but mine's special. Okay, Elise, and it's my clan, and it's all these names of just generations and generations. The funny thing is, all the, the cousins of my generation, they like misspelled our name. Like, come on, I'm like Eric Lee in the book of genealogy, according to like, really? Come on. Um, but you know, I remember just looking at that book and being in awe. Wow, this is my history. I mean, I have no idea who these people are, but still, I, I, I took ownership of it. This is my history. And I remember one of my uncles, he came and told me the story that one of my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers was royalty. Yeah! And I heard that and I was like, I received that. I was like, I got royalty flowing through my blood. I mean, I just, I had no idea who she is, but I didn't care. You know, I was like, that's my family, which means I'm royalty. I mean, I was so quick to claim it. So quick to claim it. This verse, it starts with my son. And when God says, my son, he's saying, guess what? When you were reborn, you were born into my family. You know, there's a positional birth. It's like Paris Hilton was birthed into the Hilton, like real estate, finances, riches. Like some of us are like, man, I wish I was born into a good family. It's just a positional birth. But we forget all the time that when we were born again, we entered the best positional birth possible. I mean, talk about being rich. Our papa is rich. This book is rich. How many of us really consider that the word of God is our inheritance? That when we look at Abraham and we, when we look at Isaac and Jacob and we look at the people in the Bible, we're like, that's, that's my family. That's my people. And to take ownership of it and to claim it. How many of us really do it? This is our lineage. This is our inheritance. This is our heritage. Psalm 119, 111. King David puts it like this. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are the joy of my heart. King David took ownership. He took ownership. He would hear the testimonies of Moses. He would hear the testimonies of the ancestors before him. He said, you know what? All those testimonies are my heritage. They are the joy of my heart. Hmm. It says in 1 Peter 1, chapter 23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living an enduring word of God. You are royalty. You are royalty. And the key to this idea of possession is crucial because we could read the word of God and not receive it. There's that word, if. If you receive my words. If you, if you, that means that there, it's a possibility that you don't. There's a possibility that we can spend all our lives reading the book of God and not receiving a single word from it. 
And I just feel like God is calling us into this position where God, I'm going to receive. As it is my inheritance, I'm going to receive. That concept of heritage is crucial. It's like somebody sending you a package. You need to go to the messenger, sign the package, and say, that's mine. I claim it. That's mine. I mean, I always get phone calls from Tekbeajashis. It's mad annoying. (laughs) Um, Just tell me, because I have to go there and I have to sign. That's mine. That's my package to claim it. Otherwise, they don't know what to do with it. They can't give it to me because I didn't claim it. And I just feel like God is saying, you want to live a victorious life? Then you need to understand that victory is your inheritance. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. You have to take possession of it. You know, sometimes when people pray for me and they say, they just give me words, I say, I receive it. I don't know if you guys ever hear me. <laughs> or, or, or Pastor Christian will be like, I receive it. And a little bit more louder than me. But what I'm actually doing, I'm not just saying those words. I'm actually getting, it's like a spiritual transaction that's happening. Someone spits out a word of prophecy and declares something over me. I hear it, I respond to it, and I say, I receive it, that's mine. I sign for it. That belongs to me. Sometimes you get prophetic words and you just listen. But I'm telling you, we need to receive. We need to learn how to receive. Because it is for us. How sad that we live with the riches of this inheritance and we don't claim it. (laughs) Okay, okay, focus. Um, I can't handle that without like, yeah, okay, um. I mean, how often do we do that? How often do we do that? And I just feel like this year is going to be a year where we're just signing things. Mine. Mine. These promises that were promised to all the people in the Bible, guess what? They're yours and they're mine. That's our inheritance. But the key is we got to claim it. The whole point is you can't just read a Bible verse and say, yeah, amen. You got to say, this belongs to me. This is my word for me. You got to claim it. And there is power in that. When you begin to claim God's word, it doesn't matter what's going on in your circumstance. It doesn't matter what's going on in the natural. Because the word of God becomes your truth. It becomes what's going on in your life. There's power in claiming it, in receiving it. If you receive my words. It continues and it says, and treasure up my commandments with you. To treasure, to regard or treat as precious, to be greatly valued and highly prized. Is the word of God precious to you? Are his commandments your treasure? You know, the Old Testament, they created an ark of the covenant. And in the ark were the ten commandments that Moses brought down. Of course, it was the, the one that were put together because the one he got pissed and broke. You know, that, I don't know where that went. But it was the one that was, you know, the second version 
okay, of the Ten Commandments were inside this Ark of the Covenant. And it was inside this rectangular wooden chest. And outside the chest, it was laid with pure gold. And inside the chest, it was laid with pure gold. Inside and out. And the word of God, the commandments of God were so precious to the Israelites at that time that that Ark of the Covenant was, it was only placed in the Holy of Holies. I'm, listen, that, it was that very limited access, to say the least. Not everybody could just walk up in the Holy of Holies, open up that Ark, and just take those commandments and be like, hey, that's mine. It just didn't work like that. It was so valued. It was so treasured. And, and from the Holy of Holies, there was a veil that's separated from the rest of the tabernacle. And it's such a beautiful illustration that when Christ died, that veil was torn from top to bottom. And all of a sudden, we have access to the goodness of his word. We have access to treasure up his commandments. Is his commandment so precious to you that you place it in the inner courts of your heart? Is that, is that where his words are at? We're called to treasure his word. Psalm 119.72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands, thousands of pieces of silver and gold. If I gave you the option of a million dollars and a Bible, come on. You know, you play that game like if you were stranded on an island and you can only take three things, what would you take? You know, and Bible's always like, oh, yeah, and the Bible. You know, like a total afterthought. I mean, maybe not for some, praise the Lord, if that's not you and it's the first one. Um, but for me, I'm just like, oh, my, my laptop. Do we have internet on this island? Okay, my, my MacBook. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost like an afterthought. Do I really treasure his word? Is it worth more to me than thousands and thousands of pieces of gold and silver? And, and as I was just reading this verse, it became my prayer. God, this is how I want to value your word. I know I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm going to be real with you, God. I struggle with this. But this is where I want to be. I want to be in a place where I can stand in front of you and say, your word is everything to me. If you continue, it says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. When we take claim of his words through the understanding of a sonship, it positions us. You know, my grandfather, he's deaf in one ear. Um, I think it's his left ear. And so when you need to talk to him, you got to walk around and talk to his good ear. You know what I'm saying? Harabuji! And I'm always screaming. Uh, I feel so rude, but like he really can't hear. Sometimes I pretend that he, I feel like he pretends like he can't hear you. He's just ignore. But anyway, um, I love him. I honor him. But you know, when you're even trying to eavesdrop, I mean, I used to try to eavesdrop on my brother all the time. I was like obsessed with his life. He was my big brother. I loved him. And I would like stick my door, you know, I mean, my ear to the door, you know, and just position myself just to like be a part of it. I remember the, my brother's first sleepover, his first ever sleep. I wanted to be a part of it so bad. He's five years older than me. I mean, there's a little raggedy sister following him everywhere. And I just, I wanted to be a part of it so bad. He kicked me out of the room, but I, I didn't care. I slept in front of his door. Yeah, I did. I joined that sleepover. 
I was like, I'm coming in. I slept in front of his door. And like when they laughed, I couldn't hear what they were talking about, but I'd be like, ah, you know, laughing outside. So sad, right? Yeah, my dad thought so too, because he scooped me up later and took me into bed with him and my mom and was like, it's okay. You know, and I was like, no, I want to be sleepover with Opa. But, um, and it's just that positioning yourself. And it says when you receive God's words and you treasure up his commandments with you, you position, you make your ear attentive to wisdom. You position your heart. Your heart inclines to understanding. Man, how many of us want clarity? How many of us want clarity? This is how, right here. This is what positions you for wisdom and understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. You know, we forget that we got to dig when it comes to the word. You know, John Piper, one of my favorite verses, if you rake, you find leaves, but if you dig, you find treasure. And I feel like most of my Christian life, I've been raking. Oh, pretty leaf, pretty leaf. You know, and God's telling me, no, you got to dig when it comes to my word. Dig like you're going to find hidden treasures. If I told you guys in this room, I hid three diamonds. I mean, you'll tear this place up. I know I would. You know, when I look for stuff, I look at like random places. Like I open the fridge for my keys. Like, I don't know. I just get all crazy. Like I just look through everything. I turn everything upside out because I need to find what I'm looking for. What if we had that attitude towards the word of God? That we search, we dig. You don't just read his word. You get your study Bible out. You get that you asked Pastor John to teach you some Greek and Pastor Mel to teach you some Hebrew. I don't know. You got to do what you got to do to dig into the word. And God is saying, if you do that, if you do that, man. You know, Christmas of 2009, I will never forget it. I think, I don't know if Rebecca and David are here. Yeah, they're, they're over there. So Rebecca and David were there, but we were at the orphanage in 2009, okay? And what happened was, I lost my diamond ring, okay? Yeah, I know, I know. I don't know what happened. You know, when I put on lotion on my hands, you can't put lotion with your rings on because it just gets all gunky and grimy. And so I always just take them off. And I think I just, like, took them off and put on my lap and put on lotion and completely forgot about it. Anyway, at some point in the orphanage when we were just hanging out, doing our Christmas event at G's Orphanage, I realized that my, my diamond was missing. And I freaked out, okay? I just nearly, I almost lost it. And I was like, <sighs> I made an announcement to everybody. I had all the orphans be looking for my diamond ring, you know? <laughs> like, everybody look for my diamond! I mean, I was so, because this, I mean, it's a diamond and it's my engagement ring. It's meaningful, it's valuable, and I had everybody looking for my ring. It's funny because I talked to Rebecca about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's one time I lost my ring. I'm like, how long did you lose it for? She's like, two weeks. Oh, my gosh. She's like, but I found it. And her ring is crazy. Um, anyway, so I, I went into the car. And I thought maybe, maybe I was trying to put lotion on in the car. And I just, like, tore that car up. Like, inside, looking in the glove compartment. I don't know, what would it even be doing? But, you know, like, just, I don't know. I was looking everywhere. And... Uh, I found it. Hallelujah. So funny. I called Christian after I found it, though. I don't call him before that. Chill out. Right? Um, but if we seek, if we seek for God like treasure, man, I was just 
thinking about that story, and God's like, if you only did that with me. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt in a nutshell. <laughs> Man. If you do these things, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. <sighs> Man. Oh, I just skipped a bunch of verses, didn't I? I just realized that. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. My bad, we're going to jump back real quick. <laughs> if you cry out, if you call out for wisdom, insight. I mean, do we cry out for insight? Do we raise our voice for understanding? I raise my voice for, I don't know, like, Freedom or like chocolate, you know, or, you know, all these things. But has, am I putting a demand on God's wisdom that's accessible to me? Am I putting a demand on his understanding that's available to me? Am I crying out for it? Is it the cry of my heart? I think it's just all, this whole verse is God just shifting the position of our heart. Just taking it out of where it is and bringing it right where it needs to be. This is the attitude of your heart. If we do all these things, what happens? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you will find the knowledge of God. You want to know what intimacy is? Intimacy is to know and to be known. When you're intimate with somebody, you know them. You know them. You know the things they like. You know the things they don't like. You know the things, the birthmark that they have. You know the stories, the history, you know them. It's to know and to be known yourself. This passage is an invitation for God saying, come and know me. It's an invitation to come and to know him. And it just boggles my mind. You know, this week I was listening to a, a Francis Chan series, Intimacy on God, and I'm just going to copy what he said. Because I don't care. Okay, this is what he was talking about. He was, uh, seriously, this is what had me crying every single day. He gave this amazing illustration of just how big the universe is. And how small we are in context to the universe. You know, when I was in elementary school and we had field trips, like I love field trips. The night before field trips, I would never be able to sleep because I always be so excited about it. And my favorite field trip out of all field trips was to the planetarium. Anybody know about the planetarium? It's like this theater, and the whole ceiling is like this dome-shaped, and it's a screen. And basically, you just sit in the chair, and you just... Like this the whole time. It's awesome. And they, it's this program that just shows you the stars, all the stars. And just the, the moon, and then the planets, and they show you the sun rising and setting. And I don't know... What about the planetarium that I love so much? All I knew is I always walked out of the planetarium thinking, this world's big. Just being in awe. This world's so big. I love the planetarium. I loved it. It says in Psalm 19, 1-2, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. And so we're going to get, like, science class here, and I'm going to have Westfall put up a video. And it's, 
It's like a science video, okay, about how big the universe is. But when you watch it, I want you to put it in the perspective of the creator. And I want you to watch as we go from the earth all the way to our solar system, all the way to our galaxy, all the way to the galaxies, millions of galaxies in this universe. I want you to remember just how big God is. Okay, and so we're just going to watch this real quick. You have it ready? And then we're going to continue. The view of the universe begins with Earth. This is Earth. Silicon and oxygen-based with a metallic core. The surface is mostly water. It teems with life and rotates once every 24 hours while orbiting a star called the Sun every 365 days. This is the Sun, mostly hydrogen and helium. Its surface temperature is nearly 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. For energy, our Sun converts 700 billion tons of hydrogen into 695 million tons of helium every second. The sun is part of a solar system formed around 4.5 billion years ago that includes Earth and seven other orbiting planets from Mercury to Neptune. And it isn't a stationary system. Our solar system is spinning, flying through space at 134 miles per second, turning in circles as part of a vast collection of stars and star systems. There may be 200 billion stars in this collection called the Milky Way Galaxy. An estimated 6 billion of those stars with planetary systems like ours. Our solar system orbits the center of the Milky Way on one of its outer arms. The Milky Way is one of more than 125 billion galaxies that make up the visible universe. This is the universe. It's really, really big. <laughs> yeah, I know, crazy, right? They didn't teach me that in science class. The Milky Way, our galaxy, is made up of 200 billion stars. 200 billion stars. Six billion of those stars have their own planetary systems. That's crazy. Six billion. And you draw out, and they say that there's an estimated 125 billion galaxies like the Milky Way in the universe. And that's only what they can count with our means of telescope. Beyond that, you know what they say? Our physics, our knowledge of physics can't go beyond that. The mind, almost the human brain can't go beyond that. Can you imagine how much more? I mean, talk about how awesome God is. You know, even with the Milky Way, the speed of light is 186,000 miles. That's the speed of light per second. 
186,000 miles per second in kilometers for Ukraine people, 300,000 kilometers per second. That's the speed of light. And when you say light year, that means 365 days traveling at that speed. That's one light year. If this were to be the Milky Way and one end to one end, this distance of the diameter is 100,000 light years. That's just our galaxy. I'm not talking about the 125 that we could count. And then you hear the verse like, if God is for us, who can be against us? Man, Psalm 8, 3 to 4 says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Man, that's just, it's crazy. That God knows the hair on your head. The exact count. He knows you inside and out. He created you. He knitted you in your mother's womb. And above all, he's giving you the invitation to know him. (coughs) Physics can't even comprehend the universe. Yet God is giving us the invitation to know him. How valuable is his word? How much should we treasure this book? Why don't you just close your eyes with me? Intimacy is to be known, and God knows us. God knows us. Not only does he know us, but he cares for us. The concerns on your heart, they matter to him. Think about our insignificance in the place of what we just saw, how utterly insignificant we are, yet God calls us his treasured possession. And God calls us his beloved. It's incredible. It's humbling. And then we say to God, look at what we did for you. God's like, please. We have the invitation to know him. And I feel like God wants us to just come into a place of recommitting our heart to his word. That 2011 will be a year where we learn to treasure his word. Where we learn to receive his words. To treasure his commandments with us. Making our ears attentive to wisdom and inclining our hearts for understanding. That we would call out for insight when we don't understand, which is a lot of the times. And we would raise our voice for understanding if we would seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. It is then we would understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How precious is this book to you? How can any desire that you have for the things of this world compare to the God of that universe? It's 
It's just simple. I know it's a simple word. But I know for me personally, I was drawing away from the simple word. And I just, I want to give you guys an opportunity just to pray. Just to stand in awe. Man, God, I forgot just how crazily big you are. I forgot that you are the Alpha and the Omega. I forgot that it's your hands that put the stars in their place. I forgot just how big you are, how small I am. Yet that you call me significant. That you call me significant. And invite me to know you in return. Let's just begin to pray just all around this room. And I want us just to recommit our hearts. God, make this word a treasure to us. Bless God. Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers 2011 is a year where our roots are going to go down deep 2011 is going to be a year where our roots go down deep where we find ourselves in a place where we're delighting, delighting in his word. And we're meditating on it day and night. And I just feel like it's going to be a season of just trees. I love trees. <laughs> I just see trees that we're all going to become these oaks of righteousness that Isaiah 61 is talking about. I'm just going to have uh, Pastor John, who's just going to sing this song, Like a Tree. And I want us just to make it our prayer, that we would make it our confession to the Lord. Just sing along, just pray. You can respond in whatever way you feel. But I want us to just make this prayer, that we would be like a tree, planted by the streams. That we would be the one who meditates on the word of God. <laughs> 